Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, July 15th, 2022. Coming up this hour. China's economy grows at the slowest pace since the onset of COVID. Bank earnings continue with Citigroup and Wells Fargo reporting. Key economic data this morning as the debate over Fed policy continues. And President Biden's Middle East trip takes center stage in Saudi Arabia. The New York City Council approves abortion rights measures, plus Governor Hochul allows millions of dollars to fight gun violence. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashdale in sports. Easy win for the Mets. Extra any loss for the Yankees. And they're playing the second round of the Open Championship in Scotland. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are rising this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures is up about 10 points. Dow futures up 68, and NASDAQ futures up 36. The DAX in Germany is up 1.7%. 10-year Treasury up 10.30 seconds, yield 2.92%. They yield on the two-year 3.10%. NYMEX crude oil is up a quarter percent, or 24 cents, at $96.00. Two cents a barrel and a euro 1.0030 against the dollar. Nathan. Karen, we begin this morning with economic news across the globe. Our first stop is Asia, where data show China's economic growth slowed sharply in the second quarter. Let's begin our team coverage with Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis in Hong Kong. It's the slowest pace since the pandemic began back in 2020. The economy actually contracted 2.6% quarter on quarter. It shows the price of China's dynamic zero COVID policies. But trends are improving. Retail sales recovered somewhat in June, gaining 3.1% year on year. Industrial production up 3.9%, mostly in line. And fixed asset investment jumping 6.1%. That said, property prices fell for a 10th consecutive month, slipping 0.1% from May. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thank you. Well, in Europe today, our focus is political turmoil in Italy. Prime Minister Mario Draghi's offer to resign has been rejected by the country's president. That leaves the door open for a solution that would have Draghi leading the government until elections next year. We get more from Bloomberg Euro Area economist David Powell. The drama is probably going to be prolonged in the sense that even if we get beyond next week uh, and Draghi is able to uh, uh, command adequate su- support in Parliament, Italians have to go to the polls again uh, before next June, and Draghi has already said he he won't stand. Um, so this isn't going to be going away, even if there is a kind of short-term fix. It's something we're going to have to uh, be watching for quite a while. Bloomberg's David Powell says the chaos was triggered when the Five Star Movement, the second largest party in Draghi's alliance, boycotted a confidence vote in the Italian Senate. 
Well, back here in the U.S., Karen, the debate continues on whether the Fed will hike rates by 75 basis points or 1% later this month. Fed Governor Christopher Waller addressed the issue at an event yesterday in Idaho. I fully support another 75 basis point increase. However, my base case for July depends on incoming data. We have important data releases on retail sales and housing and inflation expectations coming in before the next meeting. Fed Governor Waller says economic readings will be key, and there's more on the way today. The Fed will be looking at two readings in particular when it comes to setting policy. At least that's the case for Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester. And there's more data coming out that I'm going to be very attuned to. We have retail sales coming out, and we have a very important University of Michigan report. And, of course, that's important because it has the inflation expectations measure, um, a consumer measure in there. And Cleveland Fed President Mester speaking with Bloomberg. We get the retail sales figure today at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time, followed by University of Michigan sentiment at 10. Well, let's turn from the economy now to corporate earnings, Karen, because banks are front and center once again after yesterday's disappointing results from J.P. Morgan Chase and Morgan Stanley. Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger has more. The results from Citigroup and Wells Fargo will be the highlights this morning. Bloomberg Intelligence says Citigroup likely benefited from fixed income trading strength, but a slide in banking fees may have offset the gains. Consumers were still generally healthy, and that should have helped Citi's credit card business. Wells Fargo is still dealing with the fallout of the saga that started in 2016 when the bank was fined for its sales practices. BI says Wells Fargo's profit and returns could move higher. The Fed's constraint on its balance sheet remains a key hurdle. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Jeff, thank you. Meantime, banks are on the hook for a big bill from the government. Financial regulators are poised to extract a total of about $1 billion in fines from the five biggest U.S. investment banks. We get the story from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. It's the price for failing to monitor employee use of unauthorized messaging apps for communications involving bank business. In its earnings report, Morgan Stanley said it expects to pay a $200 million fine. That's identical to what J.P. Morgan Chase paid, and it appears to be the figure being used as a benchmark. We are told Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, and Bank of America are all in advance talks with regulators, and each may pay a similar amount. These discussions have not yet been concluded, and the penalties could still change. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. Doug, thanks. Let's turn to politics now where foreign relations are in focus. It's an important day on President Biden's trip to the Middle East as he makes his way to Saudi Arabia tonight. Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Hordern is there and brings us the latest from Jeddah. President Biden will be meeting with Palestinian Authority Mahmoud Abbas today before he heads over to Saudi Arabia. This is really going to be the pivotal moment of the trip and a controversial one, especially for many within the Democratic Party. President Biden is trying to bring the price of gasoline down. He needs the kingdom's help to get more barrels on the market. But, of course, when he was campaigning, he had vowed to make the kingdom a pariah. His administration said he would only deal directly with the king. And now we know he'll be meeting this evening with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. In Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, Anne-Marie Hordern, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Henry, thank you. Meantime, back in Washington, Senator Joe Manchin's delivered a huge blow to President Biden's economic agenda. The Democrat told party leaders he would not support new spending on climate measures or tax increases. Manchin says he will back proposals on health care and drug prices. S&P futures right now up 12 points. Dow futures up 93. NASDAQ futures up 43 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
507 on Wall Street, 74 degrees in Central Park. Got an accident on the westbound LIE at the Grand Central Parkway. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The New York City Council has taken steps to expand abortion and reproductive care rights. The council passed a package of bills, including providing free abortion pills at clinics. The New York City Abortion Rights Act also allows people seeking abortions from out of state to safely do so. New York Governor Kathy Hochul talked about shootings during an event in Brooklyn. Hochul announced a new budget allowance of over $20 million to fight gun violence in the state. Hochul says it would invest in several things, including community outreach programs and crime labs investigating shootings statewide. We will continue devoting everything we have at our disposal to stop this crisis because we are seeing a difference. The governor's announcement comes one month after Hochul signed a new gun safety bill that banned carrying any firearms into sensitive places, including schools and mass transit stations. The Buffalo supermarket that was the scene of a deadly mass shooting reopens today. There was some debate about possibly shuttering the top supermarket. but This man who lives in the community says he's glad that it is reopening because it's the only grocery store the community has. We was excited about getting it, and now um, to have that just taken away from us will be more devastation and you know, than what we've already been through. Yesterday, a federal grand jury in Buffalo returned a 27-count indictment charging Peyton Gendron with hate crimes, the suspected shooter. Concern is growing about monkeypox in some health experts. About 400 cases have been identified in New York City. This week, the CDC announced several efforts to increase access to testing. White House Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci told ABC the disease is easily treated but should not be ignored. There are vaccines that are available to prevent and respond to monkeypox. There are antivirals that are available. So we're not in the dark about this, although we really must take it seriously. Dr. Fauci will be on Bloomberg later today at noon. Ivana Trump, the first wife of Donald Trump, has died in New York City. The police are investigating whether Ms. Trump fell down the stairs at her Manhattan townhouse on the Upper East Side. Ivana Trump was 73. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. Second night in a row where the Yankees and Reds played a game that went 10 innings and finished 7-6. Last night was 1-1 in the eighth inning. Cincinnati scored three off Jonathan Loisica. Yanks tied the game on eighth inning home runs by Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres. Reds then with three in the tenth off Lucas Litke. And the Yanks got two back. Matt Carpenter's 11th home run in just his 68th at-bat. But the Reds held on, won the series. Yanks have lost four of the last five. They host the Red Sox tonight. The Sox just got swept four straight at Tampa Bay. At Wrigley, easy win for the Mets. 8 nothing over the Cubs. Carlos Carrasco and Trevor Williams, the combined shutout home runs for Brandon Nimmo and Pete Alonzo. Cameron Young is a 25-year-old golfer from Westchester. His father is the pro at the Sleepy Hollow Club. Young's first ever round at an Open Championship was an 8-under 64 at St. Andrews. Anytime you set foot on that first tee or 18th green or anywhere, especially on that kind of part of the course, um, there's just no hiding how special of a place it is. Um, And it's certainly been a goal to get to an open championship and for 
my first one to be here um, is a little bit uh, extra special for me. Takes a two-shot lead in today's second round. Tiger Woods on the course now. Brutal. 78 yesterday. Only seven golfers had a higher score. The Utah Jazz say all-star guard Donovan Mitchell is available in a trade. The Knicks are interested, but reportedly the Jazz wanted in return four players and six first-round draft picks, and the Knicks said no. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Okay, John, thanks. Right now, S&P futures up 14 points. Dow futures up 110. NASDAQ futures up 48 points now. The 10-year Treasury is up 730 seconds. Yield 2.93%. Yield on the two-year 3.11. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine and a high near 85 today and tomorrow. Could see some late afternoon showers and storms by Sunday with highs near 90 by then. Right now, 74 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe are gaining. U.S. stock index futures edging higher and bonds advancing at the end of a week in which markets have been whipsawed by shifting expectations for monetary tightening by the Federal Reserve and worries over global economic growth. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up about 12 points. Dow futures up 88. NASDAQ futures up 38. The DAX in Germany is up 1.7 percent. Ten-year Treasury up 8.30 seconds. Yield 2.92 percent. Yield on the two-year, 3.10%. NYMEX crude oil is up three-tenths percent, or 29 cents, at $96.07 a barrel. COMEX gold down two-tenths percent, or $3.10 at $17.02.70 an ounce. The euro, 1.0039 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1843, and the yen at 138.76. Looking at Bitcoin this morning, up one and a third percent. It's at $20,946. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. President Joe Biden will announce $316 million in U.S. aid for the Palestinians today as he seeks to revive U.S. ties with the Palestinian Authority with a hospital visit and a meeting with the Authority's President Mahmoud Abbas. Biden will later travel to Saudi Arabia. Ukrainian officials say Russian missiles that struck a city in central Ukraine killed at least 23 people and wounded more than 100 others, including children. Dozens are missing. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Royals. The Mets beat the Cubs. The Red Sox lost to the Rays. The Nationals lost to the Braves. The Giants lost to the Brewers. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. It is 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak with a lot of economic and political news for investors to digest on this Friday morning. So let's bring in Simon French to uh, talk more about it all, Chief Economist at Panmure Gordon. Simon, it's great to speak with you. Let's start off with the uh, latest economic data we got out of China showing a pretty big slowdown in growth. In fact, the slowest since the pandemic began. Is this much of a surprise given all the lockdowns that China has been imposing on its citizens over the last several months? Yeah, good morning, Nathan. Yes, it was. a. a it surprised markets the scale of the slowdown. So 2.6% quarterly contraction in Q2 takes the annual rate down to almost zero. It's 0.4% year on year now. 
the if you like the bright spot for the global economy is not is the fact that this is mainly domestic activity because of social distancing associated with the ongoing zero covid policy and actually there are if you like encouraging signs on the industrial output side which was pretty steady at around just under 4% year on year that the pass through to global trade volumes uh, is going to be less affected than some of the consumer services side of the chinese economy so you don't see as much of a risk of spillover perhaps as the markets might given all those lockdowns and uh, supply chain issues that have been associated with those lockdowns in china um i think a very different set of circumstances to previous lockdowns because of course the global economy had huge demand because of its synchronous uh, lockdowns and pivot towards consumer durables consumer good demand it was putting huge strain on supply chains uh, during the early phase of the pandemic you have to say now that demand picture particularly from US consumers is far lower than it was uh, back in those early iterations so i think that therefore the spillover into global supply chains will be commensurately less acute and i think that is one of the reasons why despite this you know data which won't do any favors for global gdp growth i think it's been uh, quite readily absorbed by investors without too much indigestion I want to turn to the uh, political situation in Italy as if the eurozone weren't dealing with enough uh, given the uh, problems with the war in Ukraine and the uh, supply supply of energy there now we have this political situation where uh, Mario Draghi tried to resign as prime minister now he's trying to keep a government together where do you see this going Simon Yeah so it's important first and foremost to say that Mario Draghi who's been a prime minister since February 2021 is the sixth prime minister that Italy have had in a decade so political turbulence is not unusual not neither in the last decade or in la- in the last 75 years in Italy so uh, i don't think investors are going to look at that aspect as being particularly worrisome it's more ahead of next week's uh, european central bank meeting where they're going to almost certainly deliver the first interest rate increase in 11 years but also to say more about the anti-fragmentation uh, policy which is to try and stop spreads of peripheral countries like italy from blowing out versus the spreads of german bonds and of course italian political backdrop is an uncomfortable one to uh, you know backdrop to that meeting because what pressure is going to be brought to brought on christine lagarde to say well if the italian political situation changes does that change your readiness to intervene and buy a disproportionate amount of italian debt that's the uncertainty for markets And in our last minute here Simon well, ahead of that ECB decision of course the debate continues here in the US over whether we're going to see a 75 or 100 basis point rate hike from the Fed later on this month. Uh how do you think Chris Waller did to try to potentially tamp down that speculation of a super super size rate hike? I think he did a good job. I think the market is very sensitive isn't it at the moment to the idea that the the Federal Reserve may through a variety of communication vehicles uh push out an outsized increase like they did with 50 moving to 75 bips uh in the last rate decision i think 100 bips was a little bit of an overinterpretation of the the heat in the cpi print i think fomc chat suggests 75 is still the the key expectation it's certainly my expectation but it's more the path isn't it to the residual three meetings in 2022 which i think markets are more sensitive to
And certainly to see whether these rate hikes actually do have an impact on 40-plus year inflation. Thanks for this, Simon. Great having you on with us. Simon French, Chief Economist at Panmure Gordon. Right now, S&P futures are up. Eight points. Dow futures up 62, and Nasdaq futures are higher by 24 points. Ten-year Treasury is up 9.30 seconds. The yield 2.92 percent. Yield on the two-year right now 3.10 percent. NYMEX crudes higher a bit by uh, two tenths percent or 20 cents, 95 dollars 98 cents a barrel. The euro right now 1.0038 against the dollar. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak on this Friday morning. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine, mid-80s today and tomorrow. Mix of sun and clouds Sunday could see some late afternoon showers and storms trend the weekend going up near 90 degrees. Right now, 74 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin in China, where the economy grew just four-tenths of a percent last quarter. That's the slowest pace since the start of the pandemic. But Bloomberg macro strategist Mark Cudmore says it's not the GDP miss that worries him. The data, I think, at the moment is, first of all, a little bit backward looking. And there's a bit of a a dynamic here where we're kind of going, hey, bad news is good news for markets because it means more policy easy to come through. The data this morning did not worry me. But the property sector story is getting worse at a quicker rate than I think many of us anticipated a month or two ago. The credit problems are spreading beyond the property sector into the banking sector. And that is a concern for China. And Bloomberg's Mark Hudmore says it'll be important to see how China performs in the second half of the year. In Europe, Karen, Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi's offer to resign has been rejected by the country's president. Bloomberg's Chiara Albanese says if Draghi leaves government, it will negatively affect markets. Draghi had started on a very ambitious path of reforms to free up the market, to speed up competition, to change up the justice system, to cut red tape. This is all on the question if he walks away. Bloomberg's Shara Albanese in Rome says concerns over energy and inflation could hamper Italy's economy later this year. Back here in the U.S., Nathan, the debate continues over whether the Fed will hike rates by 75 basis points or 1% later this month. Coming up today, we get more economic data for the central bank to digest. June retail sales will be released around 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time, followed by University of Michigan sentiment at 10. And banks are in focus again today, Karen, after yesterday's disappointing results from J.P. Morgan Chase and Morgan Stanley. We get more from Bloomberg's Shanali Vasek. More worries about the U.S. consumers started to rise after J.P. Morgan started reporting provisions for loan losses. The bank also said that charge-offs were starting to slowly rise. Citigroup and Wells Fargo will also give another glimpse into the consumer when they report earnings on Friday. I'm Shanali Basic, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Shanali, thanks. And those reports are due out this morning from Wells Fargo at 7 a.m. Wall Street time, followed by Citigroup at 8. 
At the same time, Nathan Bakes are on the hook for a big bill from the government. Financial regulators are poised to extract about $1 billion in fines from the five biggest U.S. investment banks as for failing to monitor employee use of unauthorized messaging apps for bank communications. And in politics today, Karen, President Biden visits Saudi Arabia. Sources tell Bloomberg the president will leave his Middle Eastern trip with no public announcements on increasing oil supply. Futures this morning are higher. S&P futures up about 11 points. Dow futures up 85. NASDAQ futures up 32. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 73 degrees in Central Park, dealing with 30-minute delays on the upper level of the George Washington Bridge. This is the morning to go downstairs. We'll tell you why in traffic in a few minutes. First, Michael Barr is uh, here with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York Governor Kathy Hochul talked about shootings during an event in Brooklyn. Hochul announced a new budget allowance of over $20 million to fight gun violence in the state. Hochul says it would invest in several things, including community outreach programs and crime labs investigating shootings statewide. We have a gun violence epidemic here in the state of New York. Full stop. That is a statement of fact. The governor's announcement comes one month after Hochul signed a new gun safety bill that banned carrying any firearms into sensitive places, including schools and mass transit stations. A federal grand jury in Buffalo returned a 27-count indictment charging the suspected gunman in the Topps supermarket shooting with hate crimes. Meanwhile, today, Topps is set to reopen. There was some debate about possibly shuttering the supermarket, but this man who lives in the community tells ABC that he's glad that Tops is reopening because it is the only grocery store the community has. At first, I, I said to myself, well, maybe they should just uh, bulldozer it down, you know, close it and make a, make a memorial out of it. And then I thought about it again, you know, how long would it take for us to get a new Tops? The suspected gunman, Peyton Gendron, is accused of shooting 13 people, killing 10 inside the supermarket, which prosecutors say he targeted because he wanted to kill black people. The New York City Council has taken steps to expand abortion and reproductive care rights. The council passed a package of bills, including providing free abortion pills at clinics. The January 6th committee says Secret Service texts made as the assault on the Capitol unfolded are missing. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Committee Chair Benny Thompson says they have been deleted or erased. He says they are important because they could shed some light on Donald Trump's movements leading up to and during the insurrection. Thompson says if there's any way that they can be reconstructed, they will do it. Remember the testimony from aide Cassidy Hutchinson, who said that Trump wanted to join the marchers to the Capitol but was blocked by security. Well, Thompson says they could also shed light on Trump's activities regarding Vice President Mike Pence. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Ivana Trump, the first wife to Donald Trump, has died at her home in Manhattan. Ivana Trump was 73. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. 
It's 536 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stanshaw. All right, Nathan. Great night for the Mets. Not only their 8 nothing win over the Cubs at Wrigley. Strong pitching from Carlos Carrasco. Brandon Nimmo, three hits with a home run. Pete Alonso is 24th homer. Eduardo Escobar and Patrick Mazzica with two-run singles. But also, sellout crowd in Syracuse to see Jacob DeGrom face AAA batters for the first time. Four innings. He did not allow an earned run. Gave up just two hits, struck out four. Third straight rehab start where DeGrom hit 100 on the gun, and all indications are he will make his highly anticipated season debut for the Mets sometime after the All-Star break. Yankees and Reds had a pitcher's duel at the stadium. The game still ended up 7-6. to six. It was 1-1 in the eighth inning. Nestor Cortez against Luis Castillo in a battle of All-Stars. Cincinnati with three runs in the eighth inning off Jonathan Loisega just back from injury, and then three more in the tenth off Lucas Litke. Joey Votto had big hits in both rallies. The Reds won 7-6 in 10. Yankee home runs in defeat for Aaron Judge, his 31st. Also, Glaber Torres and Matt Carpenter. Yanks host the Red Sox tonight. Sox just lost four straight at Tampa Bay. Seattle Mariners won again last night. That's 11 wins in a row for them. They're playing the second round of the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Taylor Gooch has moved into a tie for second with Rory McIlroy at 6-under. The leader at 8-under remains Cameron Young, Westchester native. Went to high school at Fordham Prep in the Bronx. He shot 64. They'll tee off today about 8.30 Eastern. Reportedly, the Knicks have rejected a trade offer from the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell for four players and six first-round draft picks. John Stash, yeah, we're Bloomberg Sports. Thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. After a victory in an Amazon warehouse in New York this year, the Amazon Labor Union vowed to unionize three more company facilities nearby, but things have not gone according to plan. The group lost an election at a warehouse across the street from the first and has paused efforts to organize the other two. Amancio Ortega, billionaire founder of the Zara clothing chain, has agreed to buy New York's 19 Dutch apartment building. Ortega's holding firm will pay about $500 million, according to details published by The Real Deal and confirmed by a spokesperson for Ortega. The building was sold by Carmel Partners. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has unveiled a plan to draw more riders to NYC Ferry. Effective in September, Adams' NYC Ferry Forward plan will let at least a million low-income New Yorkers, seniors, and people with disabilities to ride one way for a buck thirty-five. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve Potus, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about how unauthorized texting will cost Wall Street banks a billion dollars in fines. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KTRH in Houston. The number of homes for sale rises for the first time in three years. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, we're digging into earnings from United Health. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been looking ahead to the first TV debate for candidates to replace Boris Johnson as Prime Minister. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting General Motors self-driving startup Cruise is facing increased scrutiny. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. And here's another one. Meta Platforms is going to start letting more users create multiple profiles within their Facebook accounts. We get that story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. 
It's the company's latest attempt to encourage posting and sharing on its social network. As part of a test, certain Facebook members will be able to create as many as four additional profiles, and each one will not need to include a person's real name or identity. Users could have one for friends and another for coworkers, for example, each with its own feed. Meta is stepping up efforts to drive engagement on the world's biggest social network, which has seen growth slow, especially among younger users. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Charlie, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are up 10 points. Dow futures up 76. NASDAQ futures are higher by 35 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 730 seconds, yield 2.93%. Yield on the two-year, 3.11%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine and a high near 85 degrees today and tomorrow. We'll call it a mix of sun and clouds for Sunday with some late afternoon showers and storms developing. Highs near 90 degrees, right now 73 in Central Park. Markets, headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe are gaining. U.S. stock index futures edging higher and bonds advancing. At the end of a week in which markets have been whipsawed by shifting expectations for monetary tightening by the Federal Reserve and worries over global economic growth. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up about 9 points. Dow futures up 64. NASDAQ futures up about 27. The DAX in Germany is up 1.5%. The 10-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds, yield 2.93%. Yield on the two-year, 3.12%. NYMEX crude oil is up a third of a percent, or 31 cents at $96.09 a barrel. COMEX gold down three-tenths percent, or $5.30 at $1,700.50 an ounce. The euro, 1.0044 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1835, and the yen, 138.80. Bitcoin's higher, up about 1% at $20,860. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. Before leaving for Saudi Arabia for the much-anticipated second leg of his Middle East tour, President Biden visited the West Bank and East Jerusalem today. The president visited a hospital and praised nurses for the work they do. The Secret Service is again in the crosshairs of the Congressional Committee looking into the Capitol Hill riot. An internal watchdog says the agency that protects the president deleted messages from January 5th and 6th of last year. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Royals. The Mets beat the Cubs. The Red Sox lost to the Rays. The Nationals lost to the Braves. The Giants lost to the Brewers. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. We're coming up to 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak as we continue to watch the parade of bank earnings for the second quarter. We've heard from J.P. Morgan Chase and Morgan Stanley. Up next this morning, 
Wells Fargo, and Citigroup. So let's bring in Bloomberg Global Finance correspondent Shanali Basak as we wait for these numbers. Shanali, good morning. Uh, before we get to what's to come, I wonder what you made of the comments we heard yesterday from uh, the CEOs of JPM and Morgan Stanley about sort of the resiliency of the U.S. consumer despite the pretty disappointing numbers we got from both those banks yesterday. Yeah, they did try to strike a real note of confidence here because for JP Morgan, what they were saying is spending is holding up, discretionary and non-discretionary spending in the face of extreme inflation. But at Morgan Stanley, you're hearing James Gorman, the CEO, say while he expects a recession, he doesn't expect it to be deep or drastic. So that is the the small bright spot, I, I suppose, and kind of the the preparing for the tougher times ahead. Yeah, so that sets us up for what we uh, could see from Wells Fargo and Citigroup today. Let's start off with Wells. They have a pretty big mortgage business. I mean, that could be tricky given where rates are right now. It sure can. And you have to wonder whether that's kind of the worst of it. They've already described a significant drop off in mortgage income, given that rise in interest rates and, you know, the less demand of consumers to really take out a mortgage right now. But are there other issues? Are they going to face higher charge-offs? We started seeing charge-offs rise over at J.P. Morgan. So are they going to rise more than expected over at Wells Fargo, too? I wonder if we're going to see uh, more money as well uh, set aside for the possibility of loan losses here, given where rates are. I mean, uh, Morgan Stanley, or sorry, Wells Fargo and Citigroup could uh, both be uh, looking potentially uh, to to do more set asides. Yeah, and that's I think the pivotal question here. When you look at Wall Street's expectations, really the provisioning uh, lies in the hundreds of millions of dollars. It's nothing too crazy, but it is a reversal. Remember, people were not. Not necessarily provisioning for souring loans, they were actually doing the opposite for the last couple of quarters because of the reduced uncertainty around COVID. But now we might return to an era where people are starting to get cautious again, and the outlook for lending moving forward is going to be equally important. In terms of caution, uh, what about the credit card business for Citigroup? We heard from J.P. Morgan. They said that uh, consumers are spending more on credit cards. It's a sign of resiliency. But you have to wonder, I mean, if people are spending more money on credit cards, what that says about the fragility, potentially, of the consumer economy. That is the big fear. What are they buying on those credit cards? Are they buying a trip that they haven't been able to take in a while? Or are they paying for their groceries that way? The, all the color around that, the the safety and the soundness of the consumer, we're going to want to hear that not just from Citigroup, but on Bank of America on Monday. On City Group's front, they are also huge. They're international. And a lot of the troubles abroad are a lot more drastic than what you see in the United States. So that global picture is also important when you think about Citigroup. Only about 30 seconds left here, Shanali. But I wonder if we're going to hear more from some of these other banks about what we heard from Morgan Stanley yesterday about getting fined big time for these uh, unauthorized messaging apps. Yeah, it's certainly possible. $200 million worth of fines. You saw it over at J.P. Morgan. We saw Morgan Stanley getting ready for it. Citigroup is another one to watch for. Goldman on Monday and Bank of America on Monday. Thanks for this, Shanali. Good having you on as we wait for those numbers uh, from Wells Fargo right around 7 a.m. Wall Street time, followed by Citigroup at 8 a.m. as we continue following bank earnings for the second quarter. Of course, we will have full coverage for you throughout the day here on Bloomberg Radio. Karen. 
All right, Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for our Bloomberg Law Report, brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. More than 30 House and Senate members told the Environmental Protection Agency they have concerns over chemical recycling technology contributing to the climate crisis. A suit against Tesla will remain in federal court. A man claims Tesla's autopilot system caused an accident that resulted in his wife's death. The plaintiff sought to have the suit moved to a California state court. OSHA is considering increased penalties against construction companies that ignore safety requirements. 22 workers have died in trench collapses so far this year. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thanks. Now another legal story we're watching. Twitter is suing Elon Musk over his abandoned $44 billion takeover bid, accusing the billionaire of having buyer's remorse after his fortune declined. The merger agreement includes a specific performance provision that allows Twitter to force Musk to consummate the deal. And that is just what Twitter is asking the Delaware courts to do. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Eric Talley, a professor at Columbia Law School. Delaware courts including this judge, have granted specific performance before. Matthew Schettenhelm, a litigation analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence, gives Twitter a 60% chance to win specific performance. What do you think the chances are? I think the chances are at least that. And I would say that the types of situations that could derail specific performance, I think, are fairly remote here. The one issue that could cloud things up a little bit is how does that injunction get administered? Even when a court is inclined to issue a specific performance decree, it doesn't necessarily want to sign itself up for a years-long babysitting service of the parties themselves to try to superintend and oversee the process of closing the deal. And so that can sometimes be a reason not to grant specific performance. And, you know, in this instance, it's conceivable that a judge might say, well, you know, boy, if I compel performance, do I then have to be the person who then wrangles all the banks into court and tells them that they have to lend on this deal? Maybe, maybe not. Chancellor McCormick didn't even bother doing that in the other case. She just said, you got to go out and get your financing. So that's one potential obstacle. There's been some speculation that Musk might just ignore an order for specific performance. I doubt that that is going to happen. It would be absolutely an affront to this reputational stake that the Delaware courts have in being serious about enforcing contracts. And because Musk owns so many assets that are within the jurisdiction of Delaware, largely in the form of stock of other companies that he owns that are Delaware companies, it would be not terribly hard for Chancellor McCormick to say, okay, look, if you don't want to comply with that, 
then we will start a civil contempt proceeding and I can fashion any remedy I want, including the seizure of your stock of other companies that you might own. Now, that is definitely the nuclear option, but I think most people understand that that nuclear option is there. It hardly ever gets used because most people basically believe the Delaware Chancery Court. So, you know, I, I think that there are some folks who are kind of discounting the likelihood of specific performance because they just think Musk is going to ignore a specific performance decree. I don't really share that concern. I think that if the decree comes forward, he's going to comply with it, and it'll be pretty clear that it's going to be in his best interest to comply with it. That's Eric Talley, a professor at Columbia Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. Headlines crossing the Bloomberg. We're hearing from United Health. Second quarter profit beating analysts estimated also boosted its forecast for the year while BlackRock's assets under management were lower than analysts were looking for. And straight ahead, we have our top stories. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.